This is the OHL in 60 podcast. I'm Reese Demaney along with Colin Ward. Big show this week once again. Uh, very special guest joining us. Middle part of the show, OHL champion Jorian Donovan followed, well, of course, last week Michael Misa, now Jorian Donovan this week. Um, really fun show. And when you know you listen to this first segment and think, geez, that was short, they're really getting right to it. Yeah, that Jory and Donovan interview is probably what, Colin, 33, 34 minutes. So yeah, yeah, it's going to be a long chat. So sit back, sit back and enjoy because everyone, uh, you're really going to enjoy it. So this opening segment is really just going to be kind of run through the headlines and you know, get that get that out of the way and then get to the best part of the show, which is you know, Jory and Donovan joining us on the show. But Colin, we got to mention it before we get into anything OHL. A, uh, a big loss. Uh, on Monday, might I might say for you, we talked about it hey. before we started. Of course, my Pittsburgh Steelers—they defeated the Bengals because they don't know how to snap the ball when trying to kick it. But uh, are we yeah, doing you're, on the laces? Oh, really? You don't think kickers like kicking the laces? You don't think so? Hey, you know what? There's like, it's crazy how many long snappers get paid million a million dollars. I think the top long snapper for the I think it's on the Chargers makes like two point six million a year. Sharing's caring. I want to be a long snapper. Yeah. Legit. Yeah, right? You have one job. Yeah, but and when you're on the field, other than snapping for a field goal, extra pointer, field goal, you're probably not wanting to be on the field for the pun. Yeah. <laughs> but I think what makes it worse is the fact that the Bengals don't even have a backup long snapper. Like your your number yeah, one guy yeah. gets hurt and you don't have a backup. I know that's not a high priority position. Well, look at Kansas City. Really? Yeah. yeah, well, Kansas City was crazy with the kicker there, twisting his ankle or whatever on the kickoff. So that was interesting. But yeah, that was a big win for Pittsburgh. And I mean, their long snapper for Cincinnati. I don't know what the heck's going on there, <laughs> but that was a mess. Um, and you know, it's interesting. Some CFL teams I noticed they use the wide receiver because they get a better grip on the football, better mm-hmm. receiving than a punter holding. It always scares me with the punter holding because every time those snaps go funky like that. You're in trouble with a punter there because let's be honest. I mean, they're they're not wanted on the field. When a punter is on the field, it's not a good situation for the offense. And I mean, hey, Denver didn't punt a lot. We turned the ball over a lot on Monday night, but very true. You did your yeah. you watch Joe Burrow on Sunday, and then you're like, hey, I want to be like that guy, <laughs> that guy. Well, hey, you know what? I'm sorry about uh, T.J. Watt, by the way. Oh, yeah, that's man, that sucks. Six, he doesn't need surgery though, though but he's going to be out like six weeks pectoral pectoral right that's tough yeah. pectoral muscles are tough because that's so hard for a football because then you get in on the rush especially for him it's tough when you get in on when the mm-hmm. offensive guards get in on you like that but yeah pittsburgh looked good mika fitzpatrick looked good pick six um yeah, that was naji harris hopefully he's okay mm-hmm. um just their Canadian offense boy, didn't look chase claypool yeah yeah, and as you mentioned before, they're running a lot more, so that's nice to see with him. Having him yeah, they did them. a lot of they did right. quite a few flips to Claypool as he was coming through. It was, that was nice to see. I don't know why more teams don't do that. I mean, you see all these wide receivers coming in that are so fast, and you watch the combine. That's mm-hmm. the best part about the NFL combine. The NFL combine is a waste of seven hours if you're going to watch the full combine. But the best part is the forty. I would never do the forty, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, like, no thanks. I mean, you see Jordan Davis in uh, Philadelphia. I mean, D tackle six seven, like three hundred pounds, running it and like nothing. 
like these wide receivers are so quick. So it's always fun to watch those guys run the 40 and how effortless it is. But yeah, I don't know why more teams don't do that. And last night with or on Monday night with Denver, that was devastating. That was embarrassing. I mean, that might be the worst game I've ever saw the Broncos play. Yeah, I think that's because you decided to bet on them and it backfired. Yeah, whenever I bet on my team, I it doesn't go good. Yeah. Um, and I learned that back in the Super Bowl. That that run was like I never bet the Broncos once I bet against them. And it was like just bet a dollar. And then all of a yeah. sudden, boom, hey, next thing you know, we're winning. So that's why I did it. But I gotta be uh gotta remind me every week, even like I think this as of now, they're 10 points favored on Houston, Denver. I'm still not picking Denver. Pick Houston. <laughs> See what happens. Yeah. Well, I like Davis Mills in the red zone. I like him. He was like top five in the red zone last year. I mean, that's solid and underrated. Like, who would think Davis Mills would be top five in the red zone in the NFL? Like, who? But, yeah, that was an interesting stat. So, I kind of don't mind him. I think he's underrated. But, yeah, my pick five wasn't good this week. Devastating. I took Pittsburgh. I'm thinking about taking Pittsburgh this week. Again, against New England. I think that's a. I think that's an easy one. Pittsburgh's not even favored. And it's in Pittsburgh, I believe. So why not? <laughs> like, why not take that one with the defense? And I don't think Mac Jones can do much, but yeah, I'm excited for my pick five this week. Big bounce back. Good thing it's week one, two for the Broncos. We should have went for it. Fourth and five should have went for it. But yeah. Yeah. oh well. It's going <laughs> to be a little bit different for these Steelers showing up at Acrisure Field and not yeah, or Acrisure Stadium. Not no catch the bottle on the scoreboard. That sucked. Hey, I wonder. Joke. I wonder if they're auctioning off part of the bottle. That'd be cool. That'd that. be a cool keepsake. That'd be a cool keepsake. Yeah, Good part of the Heinz logo. Yeah. I'd be down. Yeah, that'd be good. I mean, Heinz ketchup is very big in Southern Ontario, especially south of Windsor and the Kingsville area. Yeah, Heinz yeah. factory that's no longer there. Yeah, but, that's true. But. Tough one for my Broncos. Good one for your Steelers. Next week, Denver, Houston. And at the end, of the, I think we started this. I think we're going to start this. At the end, we're just going to yeah. say our score predictions. Yeah. Just as a quick last minute thing. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Football season. You got a football team around the OHL. Let us know. It was actually pretty funny on Twitter on Thursday. Manny Pava tweeting out about the Eagles being back and being an Eagles fan. That was pretty cool. You see Brandon Caputo from Niagara yeah. out there putting Atlanta. Did I chime in there with the Denver one? And then um, Brian Cato, Landon Cato's father, the captain of Niagara Ice Dog, he's a Raider fan. So that's going to be interesting. Denver, Vegas twice this year. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was an interesting conversation. OHL fans invested into the NFL season. That's for sure. And that's why there's not a lot of Sunday games during the football season mm-hmm. because of that. So it's going to be exciting. And um, let us know your predictions as well. Because, hey, I need all the advice I can get right now. My pick you five do. was terrible. Yeah. It was terrible. I should be fired after week one. I, I mean, like like I mentioned before the show, if Dak Prescott sucks it up and plays football, I win quite a bit of money. So. Dallas looked terrible. Dallas looked terrible. Hey, at least we Shocker. scored a touchdown. But Dallas didn't fumble twice on the one. That's embarrassing. There's no excuse for that. I can't talk. We fumbled twice on the one. I was going to say, everyone claims that Dallas is American America's team. Yeah, how's They're that working America's out for hated you? Team. It's I like saying the Leafs are Canada's team. It's yeah. the exact same. Only people that say that are Cowboy fans. The only people that say that about the Leafs are Leaf fans. Yeah. Nobody else does because you either love them or you hate them. There's no in-between. It's like the New England Patriots. 
Me personally, I love the New England Patriots having a bad year this year. Yeah, I love. I'd it. be down for that. I mean, could you imagine? I mean, the Bills are going to take the division anyways. But yeah, that's a lock. But like, could you imagine being our age, being a Boston sports fan? Bruins win a cup. Celtics win a championship. Um, Patriots, Patriots win rings really on rings. Good. Yeah. Yeah, Red Sox winning World Series rings. Like, if yeah, you're a 24 bad, year old in Boston, like, you're lucky. Like, you're hey. lucky. Being a Jays, Wings, Bronco fan, Raptors, I mean, it's been a struggle. There's been a few, but not that many recently. Raptors, most recent. Well, and Detroit's going to get there soon. Wings and Tigers, not so much the Lions, maybe the Pistons. <laughs> they almost made a comeback, though. They almost made a comeback. Yeah, they did. Sell out crowd at Ford Field, too. Yeah, better than last year's boycott. We won. Yeah. Might as well call them the Oakland A's. Boom. (laughs) Roasted. All right. Time to talk hockey because we just wasted about eight minutes talking about football. Not wasted, but talked about football for eight minutes. We got to get to Jorian Donovan. But first, a few trades went down in the last week. We're going to start on September 7th. This is kind of a, not a favor, but a return for the Sam Dickinson trade, the Niagara Ice Dogs acquiring goaltender Owen Flores from the London Knights. Niagara giving up a fifth rounder in 2024 as well as a second rounder in 2026. And they weren't done. They were involved in three out of the four trades <laughs> this week. And Colin Ward in a second has the stat of the week. We will get to that. We will let you know who it is brought to you by. Niagara gives away Bo Pirosky. To the Flint Firebirds for a 14th round pick in 2024. Uh, September 9th, Owen Outwater goes from the North Bay Battalion to the Kingston Max for five picks. They are Sarnia's sixth rounder in 2023, Kingston's fifth rounder in 2024, Kingston's fourth rounder in 2025, Kingston's second rounder in 2026, and their third rounder also in 2026. And then to round it off, Dylan Rubrick goes from the Ice Dogs to the Generals, Oshawa Generals, giving up an eighth rounder in 2024, which means it's time for the stat of the week. And it is brought to you by the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> Colin, <laughs> Colin Ward, what is your stat of the week? <laughs> You didn't like that sponsor, did you? Um, <laughs> I had to put my uh, Denver Bronco crying hat on. As right now, it is underneath, like right under my eyes. Can you even see yeah. my eyes? Uh, barely. Um, yeah. Devastating. Devastating loss last night. Did not deserve to win. The fact that you have 180 more yards than Seattle and still lose, that makes that like that just rips my heart out. You know, I was surprised. You know, I honestly, I wasn't surprised it rained here. Tuesday morning, the day after that game, I was not surprised that it rained Tuesday morning. <laughs> that, that next morning, I mean the Sunday yeah, because it, that devastating loss. That was a backbreaker. That one hurt. Yeah, because Seattle, Washington weather having a huge effect Tuesday morning here in Southern Ontario. So, didn't even think about that. <laughs> oh my, they're out to get me, man. They're out to get me. <laughs> All right, Colin, stat then, of the day, stat of the week. The, here we go. Yeah, then the Mariners catching the Jays too. Yeah, that was great. Oh. I got to give Mike Stubbs credit on this one. He had the tweet of the day on that trade day. Since June 30th, there have been 25 trades made in the OHL. Niagara has been involved in 11 of them. Not a surprise. Not a surprise. Not with the, 
new ownership and general manager, you knew they were going to make moves, but wow. Impressive. Mm -hmm. A lot of work to be done, right? There's still a lot of work to be done, but good move. I would say it's a good move. And uh, yeah, interesting. That's for sure. It's a lot of moves. I'm not surprised. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to kind of get a grasp on uh, the Dobbler's thinking and the Ice Dogs front office thinking, uh, Brandon Caputo, the Dog Pound podcast, yeah. they've got quotes on a few of these moves that the Ice Dogs have made and well, management making themselves available to the right media. So um, for <laughs> yeah, anything for sure. on the Ice if Dogs, you, actually you, can, attend. you can check them out. Yeah, exactly. If you actually attend. Yeah. Yeah, so those were the few trades that went down. A couple other things I want to mention. Red Wings Prospect Tournament. It gets going. thought yeah. we'd just mention uh, just a few names. Pasquale Zito, JQ Birdie, show guests, not a big deal. Uh, Going to be suiting up for the Detroit Red Wings, as well as show guests, Anofemis, unfortunately with Toronto, but still a... <laughs> A very good opportunity for him uh, going down to Traverse City and suiting up in the Prospects Tournament for the Maple Leafs. Just thought I'd shout out those three guys. <laughs> Woody's dying right now. Yeah, just the way, unfortunately, uh, suiting up for Toronto. <laughs> no, I, I, I make fun and all, but if anyone can get an opportunity with one of the 32 hockey clubs in the NHL, hey, props to them. If they're going to give me $5 million, I'll play for them too. So, yeah, I would be a fourth line. I'd be a fourth line player and make six million dollars, no problem. Yeah. yeah, that would be a contract Toronto would have. Oh, for sure. Fourth I'm, liner I'm just making waiting. six million. I'm waiting for Joe Thornton to come back. <laughs> I'm waiting for it. Hey, I saw an interesting stat, and we could throw this into stat of the week the other day. Uh, there's been like one team that's had one player with more than $10 million contract, make it to the Stanley Cup Finals. It was the Montreal Canadiens uh, with Carey Price, and the Maple Leafs have three of them, making more than $10 million. That's tough. That's a tough look. You can't get out of that. They're handcuffed. You, you can't get out of those contracts. You have to give up a lot. There you go. There's our Leafs chirps for the week, uh, just to get that out of the way. Uh, that is brought to you by no championships since 67. That's what it's brought to you by. So... We got to take a break now, though. When we come back, it's the man of the hour. Jorian Donovan going to join us. OHL champion. Just an all-around fun dude to talk to. You'll really enjoy the chat. Make sure you stick around. Jorian Donovan is next on the OHL in 60 podcast. Welcome back to the OHL in 60 podcast. I'm Reese Demaney along with Colin Ward. Exciting part of the show. Somebody who actually knows something about hockey is joining us on the program. OHL champion, Ottawa Senators prospect, Jorian Donovan. Jorian, really appreciate you doing this, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me out here. Um, I'm uh, I'm excited to uh, be on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I just want to I just wanted to mention congrats eh, on your championship. Um, my first question for you was your rookie season getting thrown right into your draft year. What was that experience like? And how tough was that transition going right into the right into your NHL draft year on a wagon of an OHL team? Yeah, honestly, it was uh 
pretty exciting year. You don't uh, to uh, not many people get to experience uh, kind of what uh, what this team went through, and being the the first year, you get to learn a lot and learn a lot of valuable lessons. Kind of going through watching uh, like the good players on our team kind of lead the way. And uh, to be honest, I, I'm couldn't have been happier of how it went. And uh, I was just uh, it's just been such a crazy ride with the team, and uh, I'm excited for next year. Yeah, how would you describe that transition for you into the OHL? Yeah, it was it was it was kind of weird just because the COVID. So you uh, we really didn't play much play much games before uh, the OHL season. So uh, it was it was an interesting one, but uh, I was glad that uh, we had such a good team to kind of help me and learn with uh, all the good play players like Steos and Jacka. You can just look up to those guys and kind of learn from them. So it was uh, it was fun to kind of do it this year. Yeah, yeah, and plus you have a coach too as well. Sorry, Reese. No, no, it's all good. Jorian, what what expectations did you have for yourself coming into this year? What what kind of goals did you set for yourself going into your rookie year? Rookie year, I guess, if you want to call it that. Yeah, it was it was kind of a tough one to be honest because I, I really didn't know the waters of the uh, the OHL, mm -hmm. if you'd like to say it like that. So honestly, I, I I just honestly was just trying to improve throughout the year and just kind of make an impact for myself. That was kind of biggest goal, and then just try to be the best player I can leading up to playoffs and leading into the draft. Yeah. Yeah. And was, was there one guy that you kind of, like you mentioned, Jack, I, and, and Steos, was there one guy that you really wanted to learn the most from and kind of attach yourself to early on to get the most out of them and kind of help you progress along throughout the year? Yeah. Like, honestly, I could say that about like, I just mentioned those two guys, but I could, could have said that about any of the guys on our team. Like, White, uh, could have said that about Grushnikov, mm -hmm. even our captain camera, just they all had their ways of playing, and it was just they all played their parts so well. Whitey with his offensive ability, Grushnikov shut down or captain, the shutdown guy, Stales power play specialist, Jack, I just a two way B. So, honestly, it was just just having that kind of skill and talent on our team. It was cool just to kind of be able to watch and just and play with them to learn by them. And how big was that? How much did you guys want to win for your captain in that OHL finals there and plus in the Memorial Cup? I mean, Colton Cammer basically tearing everything in his knee and finishing the shift in the game one of the OHL finals. How much did you guys want to win for your captain? I mean, seeing him there on crutches, they were just heartbreaking to see that because you know we want to be out there with you guys so bad. How much did you guys want to win for him? Yeah, obviously, you, you see how he played throughout the year and how much sacrifice yeah. he put in, blocking shots and just playing his role so well. And, you know, just when you see a teammate like that kind of put go through and what he's done for the team and kind of how he's led the boys, it's just – it's you want to do it for the group and you want to do it for him. And really, it just – it meant so much for us just to kind of pull through and and really it was just – you, you got to do it for your teammates. And seeing CK out was just extra motivation. Yeah, and then also it was really the first time in the playoffs you guys hit adversity in that finals, and I mean that was a strong Windsor team. Um, did is there any advice that Cameron did for you guys behind the scenes that you can share? Like, did he give any speeches through that adversity? Yeah, CK honestly, he's one of the best best guys giving speeches. I don't want to like say like what he said just because like I would butcher it so badly because he he was so <laughs> fluent and so well done with his speeches. So. Uh, yeah, every, almost every game throughout the playoffs there, he, he would come in and give the boys a speech and you know what he's, he, like, again, I wouldn't want to say what kind of he said, cause I would butcher, but he, he said everything so well and it just, uh, 
And even before when he was playing, he just he led by example, and he was just such a guy, good guy in the room. So yeah, CK was just he was a great captain. I'm glad we named him our captain. Yeah. Then speaking of great captain, I mean that game one with the two five on threes and him and Grushnikov just blocking shot after shot. How much momentum do you guys get out of that? Oh, it's crazy. Like everyone loves the big fancy moves and the the big hits, but you know when when you see your teammate get down and block a shot like those two did this year, it's not there's almost nothing better. It gets the boys fired up on the bench, and it really does change the momentum of the game. Yeah. And how how much did Coach Jay McKee, who's played in the NHL much like your dad, how much did uh, Jay McKee help your game and the rest of your coaching staff in Hamilton help your game this year? Yeah, it was. It was. I was glad to have such great coaches who've. Uh, they both, Andrew Campbell and Jay, both played in the NHL, mm-hmm. which is uh, obviously like when you have guys like that that've gone through what they've done, and it, it's pretty cool to to see their experiences, and they have a lot to tell. So, uh, it was uh, it was awesome because uh, they're both really good defensively, and that was kind of one thing I was uh, mainly focused on this year. So. I got a lot of new tricks and stuff like that to kind of learn from them. So they, they, they were great this year. So I couldn't have been happier kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And how much did that veteran presence of having McKee and, and that whole coaching staff, especially when you go down one, nothing, you know, first time you lose in the playoffs then you go down two one uh, with game three being in Windsor, having to try and win one on the road. How much did that, you know, building. Yeah, how much did that calm you guys down? And be like, okay, like our coaching staff—they've been there before. They know what it takes. Like, just, just talk about that situation of actually being down in a series in the finals and just overcoming that and being able to come out uh, with the seven-game win. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you know what, Jay? Jay said it well. Like, uh, he said it after like our first loss, and uh, he said it so well, which is it wasn't adversity. Like every team loses, we've lost before during the year, and it was just kind of a reset button. We just kind of went through our went through our systems and stuff like we would do every every uh day and how we were winning and just played the same way and you know what uh, i'm glad that we stuck to it and just having those guys that that know to sticking to a system and maybe having to tweak one or two things here and there but really sticking to your main systems and uh kind of the way how they coached it so just having them there which was huge presence and you know they 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 knew that uh they had confidence in us and which gave us confidence and ended up uh getting us the win pretty much you guys were kind of the maybe not the better team for all 60 but a lot of the offensive categories you led you know you outshot them 46 35 in that in game one you had more face-off wins than them like you know, as, as much as the coaching staff can be like, hey, we're okay. It's one game. That's fine. We're playing. There's a seven-game series for a reason. Just as players, that, that must have been just, you know, just kept your confidence up because you were, you know, a lot better in most areas. It just it happens that they put a puck in in overtime and you guys didn't. Yeah, like you said it best. It's it's honestly sometimes hockey's a game of uh, there is luck and as much as it is uh, how much you put into it. In that game, for example, yeah, they got a couple of good bounces, mm-hmm. uh, one off the goalie kind of thing. So, you know what, they ended up winning the game. But uh, we just know that, if, like we said, Jay said it best, when uh, you stick to a system and stick to how you play, then we knew that uh, and we were confident that we were going to come out with game two. Yeah, for sure. And then you come home for game seven and that crazy atmosphere after game, after a tough game six in Windsor, but you come home for game seven, that atmosphere in Hamilton. How, and we talked a little bit about it before we came on air, Jorian, but how how sick was that to play in front of that atmosphere in Hamilton? Yeah, honestly, like I 
like like probably what most people say you can't really put it into words kind of what the feeling is and even if you kind of watch the video but just like and uh, watch spin there and watch the playoffs it's there's no bet like there's no feeling of just walking onto the ice and just being in the moment of seeing the 12,000 people or kind of whatever it was, it was crazy. So seeing that upper bowl and seeing the rink and just feeling the energy of the crowd, there's, there's really nothing better than just stepping on that ice and just absorbing everything that went through there. Really establishes momentum too, for you guys. It's nice to have that crowd behind you. It's so tough for the road team to come into that environment. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That was, yeah. One thing to touch on. Yeah. That was, I think that was the biggest thing too, is, Game six, we we were all nervous and big yeah. crowd, and they had all the momentum. But coming into game seven, I think all the boys just like it almost felt like we had the win before we had the win. Stepping out and just hearing the crowd, and it just it just gave us all the energy we needed. And honestly, it was just huge having such a great crowd like that in the finals. Yeah, for sure. You guys had that relaxed mentality as well. I remember off ice, you guys had the speaker and stuff going down there. And I know Jay had it getting turned off for you guys there throughout the playoffs. But when you get that speaker going, I know you guys got that strut going, got that swagger back. So that was nice to hear before game seven. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, officially, according to the OHL website, 11,779 fans packed like first Ontario Centre. For game, yeah, it felt like it was a lot more. Like there was, there's no way it must have been more. Obviously, you know they go off of what they get, but just how intriguing was that when you first got drafted by the Bulldogs? That you knew that at some point you saw the team that was in front of you as the season goes on. You know, you, you get McTavish, you get Jack, you get a couple smaller pieces like Beyondy and and Sims. Like you, you realize that you're in a position to win, and you knew the crowd was going to get bigger. So just you know, for yourself in general, I guess, how much did you fuel off the crowd? Like you can talk about the team momentum, but for yourself, what did it feel like? Yeah, honestly, it was it was weird because uh, like coming into the year, I, I really didn't play in front of big crowds kind of thing coming out of uh, like uh, U18 and I played a little bit of junior A, but there was really no crowds compared to this. So mm-hmm. it was something like uh, to get used to right off the bat. But once you kind of, get used to using the energy to for your advantage it was it was huge impact to your game playing at home like uh, i think uh, honestly if i ch- check back i believe our home record was was better than our way just because you, you like the crowd of especially our barn even though how big it was there was always fans are loud so it was great and coming into playoffs and just seeing the, the the crowd slowly grow and grow and then ended up being how it was Stepping onto the ice, like I said, it was just—it's just a crazy feeling, and you just you get that that extra hop and that extra advantage. I would like to say in the in the finals. Yeah, yeah and, it, and even during throughout the season, like you, you could even talk about what it was like going through. What was it like three weeks, maybe that we didn't have fans in the building? Like that must that must have taken a toll mentally. At least you know you get used to be to having crowds in front of you, and then all of a sudden. Oh wait, we're just playing in an empty barn. Like there must have been some level of comfort, but also some level of, oh, this is kind of weird. We got a we got a pro barn and nobody's here. Like it must have been must have been kind of odd once you got into your rookie year. Yeah, it, honestly, it was so weird because you're you're going out there and you're like, 
am I like, am I in a scrimmage or is this like an actual <laughs> game? Cause there's no energy and them even trying to play like the, the fake crowd. Noise oh, that was, was just, so loud there. <laughs> oh, just seriously. Just, just don't even, it was, it was, it was whatever it was. I'm glad it's over because yeah. so much better playing in front of fans. And it's just such a different atmosphere. Like I, like I said earlier, but uh, yeah, honestly it was, it was something to get used to. And it was kind of weird that we, that we did it like that, but uh, I'm glad we got fans back in the barn. So speaking of atmosphere, you got to play in a pretty cool game this year in the regular season, the OHL Outdoor Showcase. What was that like going out there? Obviously, we talked about this going before we went on air, and we were talking about like the fireworks and the intros and stuff, and then like the big win as well for you guys. How important was that for you, and how cool was that? Yeah, it was honestly that's something I've never done before, and it, I bet you a lot of the guys probably probably all of them didn't do something like that. It was it was just crazy to see. It was kind of such a weird thing being outside and playing in an OHL game, which was weird shooting the puck and seeing it like disappear into the sky kind of thing and just seeing the crowd, but the crowd was so far away and hearing just the, the roar of it slowly seep in. It was, it was crazy. It was just such a different environment. And like, obviously you're all, all the guys probably, I was nervous getting out there, but once you kind of feel it out, then you just, you know, and I'm glad that it was our kind of home game. So it was crazy. I just, I couldn't get over how well they did it and how well it was set up. Yeah, for sure. It was a great environment. And you guys had a great year on and off the age of the Bulldogs franchise. Um, my one question for you, and we talked about this also before we went on air, uh, you played with Noah Van Vliet a fair bit throughout the playoffs. How fun was that to play with Noah? And what do you guys do so well to bring the best out of you guys with playing together? Yeah, obviously, yeah, Noah's a beast, so you can't get that around him. So uh, it, it was nice playing with Noah just because leaders are such so well defensively, such a big guy and such a presence on the ice. Mm. So it was nice having that that kind of stability, knowing that, you know, what, maybe if I might mess up, I know leaders got my back. So it, it was just it was so nice having such a good, strong defensively guy. And he obviously he, he, he gets into the offense, too, and he's good at it, too. So it was nice having that. uh that guy that uh, I could kind of connect with and uh, being same age too and knowing him from a bit, you kind of have a little chemistry. So it was nice playing with them and uh, I had a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Is that what makes this season so intriguing to see you guys take that next step to another level? Yeah, honestly, I think the one thing about our team, I always found that uh, every year kind of I'm on like a good team that that does well throughout the playoffs or throughout the season it's always it's what what's inside the room and I think about this team and our team last year with uh, winning our team was so close and uh, every most of the interviews that the guys say that's always something they touch on because it really was just uh, how close the guys are and mm-hmm. how much fun we have together and it, it just it really does transfer to on the ice because if you really like your teammates then you really do thrive on the ice so I think that's what's going to be exciting this year knowing all the guys and knowing that we're all so close, I think it's going to be a good year. Yeah, for sure. And you guys had a very close group last year. And it's a question I always used to, like I like to ask the veterans, who's the biggest prankster in that Bulldogs room? <laughs> you guys have a few characters. Who do you say the biggest prankster is and the guy you got to watch out for in that dressing room? Um, Yeah, honestly, there's a couple guys. I would like to say I, I get into that stuff a little bit. I like to, I like <laughs> to get the guys <laughs> any, once or twice. Any targets? Yeah. Pardon me. Any targets you got? Like any? Uh, yeah, me when I was a younger guy, I really liked getting the older guy's skin just to <laughs> oh, kind of 
Yeah, it was a risky play, but uh, I think it ended up working out because, uh, yeah, it was whatever, whatever it was, maybe daffle with little sticks or maybe if if it was a younger guy, maybe get him with a little car prank kind of thing. So that was that was all fun, but like nothing, nothing bad or anything. No. But uh, there's a couple guys and at the end of the day, it's all fun and it just brings you guys closer. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. How how much was Jay McKee a part of that? Being in an NHL room, he had to know some things. He had to know some tricks up his sleeve. <laughs> yeah, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, he he was awesome. It, it that's the one thing about having those guys who play in the NHL. They they know like kind of how to connect with the guys and what it's like being kind of a hockey player in the room. So they're they're both beauties, and it, it was just awesome having those guys around. They have they have their tricks and their jokes and. Uh, it was awesome. Yeah, they, they just made it that much better. And speaking of the NHL, how nice was that to have your father play in the NHL and any cool memories of you going, growing up around the NHL arenas and anything you could share about that? Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously it was, it's, it's special having someone like that in your life so close to do something that you love and your dream is. So uh, stuff around the room and uh, maybe around the rink. Uh, I used to always kind of, sneak into the stands rink not really sneak but he would always let me uh come when i was a kid when i was i don't know how young i would want to be i don't want to kind of say if it was older or young i was probably around six but maybe older or younger and i'd always kind of crawl around the room and all the trainers tell me now that they, they used to call me the monkey because i would like climb stuff and sneak into like things and just love being around the room kind of thing so that was kind of a cool story that my dad likes to tell just because like uh, I always loved being around the room and just being with the guys. And I would always kind of find myself hanging around there and not wanting to leave kind of thing. So mm -hmm. that was kind of a, a cool thing. And obviously uh, my dad did, he retired kind of when I was younger. So it's, yeah. there's not really much like remembering of how he played kind of thing, but there's a little bit near to like closer to the end of the career and just kind of, uh in in ottawa so that that's obviously something like that just to see your dad and you don't really realize how uh how cool it is when you're walking around your dad and people are like yeah autograph and you don't realize how kind of yeah. special like his life was and kind of what he's accomplished until you really kind of do it yourself so it, it it was pretty cool and it's obviously really special that uh, i have someone like that in my life yeah it's nice to be able to pick his brain as well Oh yeah, yep. He likes to pick my brain, and I'll pick his brain. So, <laughs> I was gonna say, That's like, awesome. talk about the influence he's had on you. Like, I, I'm sure that it's you can't even put into words what what he's meant to you in your hockey career. But, but, but try to talk about what he's meant to you, um, both as you know, as your dad as well as a hockey player. Yeah, it's honestly like it was. It's crazy just because like having someone with that much knowledge and being through and having the stories and the experience, it's just at your fingertips. It's, it's crazy. It's like a Swiss army knife of a tool of what you want to do. So it's uh it's pretty cool. So uh, whether it's, I want to do video or he's coming and he's watching something that he's like bringing me over to watch video on a certain guy, or he always like, or it's, he's watching my game and watching over my video and, He's picking out certain things and, and telling me and teaching me and teaching me little tricks, whether it's on the ice, off the ice. It's just having that much knowledge at your fingertips. It, it's crazy. And you really can't like understand how much stuff he knows. And it's, it's, you could ask him questions for days and he'll always have the answer to it. And uh, it's just incredible just to have this kind of endless source of knowledge that you can pick at. 
Yeah, and then you get drafted by the Senators on draft day. What was that feeling like? You were at the draft, so how was that hearing your name get called finally in person as well with the draft? Because the OHL draft not being in person for you. How was that to be able to be at the draft in Montreal and getting drafted by the Ottawa Senators? Yeah, it was uh it's it's really it's again one of those experiences that you just you really can't put into words. The feeling it, it happens so fast. It's a blink of an eye moment kind of thing where you're there celebrating with your family and friends i had a couple buddies there luckily so it was, it was kind of cool to share with them and my family so then going down and, and seeing the it, it's kind of weird too because it was all guys that i've i've known dj comes around the house yeah. and hangs out with my dad and stuff all those guys are i'm very familiar with so it was kind of like instead of meeting new people it's like oh yeah i've seen you before kind of thing and it's awesome to kind of and it's it's just the one thing about it, it was like you don't since i've been around that organization so much it's I, I really didn't understand like now I'm actually a part of it kind of thing. And it's, it's just such a cool feeling. And the connection with Belleville as well, which is only getting stronger. I mean, that Belleville Ottawa connection is so strong. The AHL team with very good coaching staff there in Troy, man, that's a special development center as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those like, honestly, that's the one thing too, is I, I was working with uh, Dave Bell this year. He's a oh, yeah. defenseman oh, yeah. coach there. So he's been awesome teaching me things. And I, I, it's, 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 again, it's one of those things where it's like, you learn so much from those guys and, and you think, you think as a kid, you kind of know it all, but everyone just always has something new to bring and uh, something better to teach you. So it's crazy having those like kind of resources and now being a part of such a kind of awesome and great organization. Yeah. Then you get drafted and you see all the excitement in their building. I mean, the big moves they've made this summer. How exciting is that to see that core now, Brady uh, Norris, Jimmy Stu, how exciting is that to see the blanket now with that core and get into, get into camp and be able to pick their brains. Yeah, it's it's honestly it's cool because uh, as a kid being from Ottawa, you get to watch Carlson and those guys in the playoffs dominate and having such great runs for the last couple of years, and then you see them rebuild, and then now you see all those young guys like Shabbat, Norris, Tim Stutzla, Batherson, all kind of mature and and develop, and you see like wow, and then they start to make those moves for uh, like Giroux. And uh, to bring cat and you're like, wow. All right. So now, now we're going to start seeing these playoff runs again. So it's, it's pretty cool to kind of see it in person and kind of be, be a part of it kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. What was your development camp experience like? Oh yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. They run such a great development camp there. It's, it's so cool how they have it all set up first day practices. And then we, we go and we do a whole bunch of workshops and stuff like that. And then we end up having the, the three on three tournament at the very end. It, it's so cool. They do, they do so much great stuff and they, they have so many guys that, that have been through it and, and talked to and, uh, and so much resources to reach out. And uh, honestly, it was such a great experience. And it's, again, it's, I keep saying this, but it's, it's something you can't put into words and it's just, uh, it's just, I was just glad to be a part of that great experience. And for you being around Ottawa, were you able to skate at the Senseplex this summer as well with guys like Sanderson and, uh, Boucher. yeah those those are the exact guys i, I got to sk- skate with so yeah. it was nice being able to work out and skate with those guys at the bell senseplex uh yeah. got to work with my dad and jesse winchester mm-hmm. on the ice so it was nice to have those guys around and jake sanderson being a left-hand d too so you can kind of oh. look up to a guy like that and and kind of follow his footsteps and kind of learn from him so it was pretty cool yeah yeah, yeah. really good player sanderson 
Oh yeah, he's he's a great player. <laughs> What's one thing you took away from that, whether it was from a coach or a player? What's one thing that you're gonna take from that to to take into into the Bulldog season this year? Yeah, one thing for me is just is just watching how pros never really stick handle. Like you kind of see it maybe like the 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 really good players like Makar and McKinnon, they love the stick handles. But if you watch a guy like Hedman or even watching Jake Sanderson, they just they push the puck and always have the they never stick handle. And it's crazy just to see how much deception that brings to like someone's game by not stick handling and just having control and never knowing if they're gonna go backhand or never know if they're gonna pass or shoot. It's crazy having that deception. That's something that I, I kind of want to work on throughout the year this year. Yeah. And speaking of that, who would you say you model your game after? In the NHL level, I mean, there's so many good young star defensemen up. I mean, Reese and I being Red Wing fans, seeing Mo Sider and Simon Edmondson coming up, you see all these young defensemen that are just coming up, and they're absolute studs. Who would say you we say we enjoyed Nick Lindstrom for a while, right? So yeah, oh yeah, he's a good D man. Yeah, um, yeah, it's 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 been kind of like just being from Ottawa, kind of say this a lot, but just watching Shabbat and Carlson when he was here, those guys have been huge. It it, it was. It was kind of weird because this year I didn't really get to uh, be playing my rookie year. I didn't really get to play like them just because I kind of had to play a role with being with such a good team. But that's mm-hmm. those are two guys I really try to model my game after. But, uh, um, yeah, like I could put like kind of a couple guys together, whether it's like, I don't know, those two guys offensively kind of thing. And then you get like a, a guy like Hedman kind of poised. But like I really can't like put maybe what I haven't really found a guy, but. Uh, I would say Shabbat is kind of a guy I look up to. All right, on and then that, and I hate to bring this up for uh, Reed Duffy, your radio play-by-play guy, but that pass Carlson made in the playoffs against Boston, ooh, that was nice. That would be the nicest pass I've ever saw. Oh, it was, it was incredible. It like just seeing like, and I think he was hurt too yeah. in that play. So him that season, it was just it was crazy. Even the pass to to Hoffman and that whole series and how he played was just incredible. Right on. Yeah. Then one more question. I have a couple more questions for you, Jorian, but I have one speaking of the sense now with uh, Boucher being a 67, how exciting are you to play Ottawa this year and have that battle with Tyler Boucher on the back end, him being up front, you know, Boucher plays a little bit on an edge. How exciting is that? Yeah, it was kind of funny because working out with them, I get to know them a little bit better. And we uh, we gave each other a couple little chirps because I was uh, <laughs> chirping them about uh, just this season. And uh, oh, sorry, here. <coughs> yeah, my throat's so dry. I should have brought water. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny because uh, we got to chirp each other a little bit. And because uh, he kind of got me with a good hit last year. So I was kind of kind of i'm kind of angry about that so i think i'm going to try and get him this year kind of thing so <laughs> there's going to be a couple battles i hope this year great on what visiting arena would you say you like playing in the most around the l obviously this year you get to play out a conference which is exciting anything any place you're excited to play in um yeah ottawa's always been kind of a cool place just because yeah. it's home and family. i get to see all my family and they all get to come but uh really other than that like that that would be probably my number one is Ottawa. Right on. And how well this year also you get to play against Colton Smith. You mentioned DJ. How exciting is that? Do you have a relationship with Colton? <laughs> oh yeah. We I played with him in uh <laughs> U eighteen. He is a beauty. I love I love Colton. We've heard he, stories. 
Smitty is hilarious. That guy is a beauty. So it, it's it's pretty cool, and uh, that I'll get to actually play against him this year. So it'll be uh, it'll be fun uh, to kind of reunite and uh, get a couple battles in. Yeah, we uh, we heard some stories. We had Brody Crane on from the London Knights, and he was oh, talking. Geez. And he said Colton Smith is your one guy you have to get on. So we'll work on that yeah. for this year. Getting Colton Smith. On oh, exactly. yeah, that would be. A- Definitely. If you get this guy on, I bet you this guy, funniest guy I know, hilarious. <laughs> All right. So here's right, your Colin recommendation. Stamp, if that's our goal, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> book it. Um, who would you say your biggest influence on your hockey career is? Um, I have to kind of go with my dad. He's yeah. been there, and he has. He's just what he's been through, and kind of how much he's helped me. I have to go with my dad. Perfect. And my last question for you is, Jorian. For that kid that wants to be in your shoes someday, what's your biggest piece of advice for that kid? Um, for me, honestly, the one thing I always did was just stick to your uh, stick to yourself. And my my thing has always been just always being super competitive and uh, always working harder than the person beside you, kind of thing. And that's kind of what uh, I feel like kind of really kind of led me to this position. Obviously, there's other things that help and uh, reaching out to people and always trying to be eager to learn, but. Biggest thing for me is always having that kind of competitiveness. I would like to say that I have, and always being uh, the hardest worker. Hey, perfect. Thank you. Um, one one more for me, uh, Jory, and we we I asked you earlier, kind of what you expected for yourself going into your OHL career, and you were, you know, obviously rookies coming in, you don't really know what to expect. You expect, you know, the veteran guys to kind of lead the way and show you how how it works, but as we exit the interview and as you enter your second year in the OHL, what do you expect of yourself? Like, obviously you've had conversation with the Bulldogs, with the senators, I'm sure the ongoing conversation with your dad, Oh, you know, I'd love you to see you work on this kind of make you, you know, get better in this area, but, but for yourself into this second year, what do you expect of yourself? Uh, yeah, honestly, I just, I, I want to be, become one of the leaders that, uh, that I've left having uh, three of the older guys leave. Uh, there's some shoes to fill. So I think this year is just really stepping up my game and really stepping up as a person to kind of fill those shoes that I've left. Yeah. And what, what piece of advice did they give you as they moved on to kind of take over that role? Honestly, those guys um, really, they've just been, been so kind of so helpful and how they've played and just what they've said throughout the year. Really. I'll take one from kind of CK CK has just been such a great leader on and off the ice. And I think the biggest thing from him is just kind of be confident, but not cocky kind of thing. He's always just a super modest guy and just super confident guy, but he was just always just best leader. Arbor, just super physical guy. But again, he's just another suit, just the, what he does as much. Yeah. As much as he is good on the ice, it's just the stuff that he puts off the ice just to keep persevering. And uh, his, he's got a crazy story of how he didn't get drafted in the OHL or anything and what he's become. And that's the biggest thing from him was just keep working and keep going towards your goals. And then Nader's just uh, just an absolute beauty. I love that guy. So he's been uh, super, super helpful and teach me uh, offensive stuff. So his biggest thing was just honestly get pucks on net is, is kind of mm-hmm. such a simple thing, but honestly having a year that he did, that was his biggest thing was just always throwing a, throwing a biscuit on net and it would always uh, create something. Yeah. I was going to say there was no one better in the Ontario hockey league 
putting pucks on net than Nathan Steo. So that that's a Absolutely. perfect way to end it, Jorian. Um, we really appreciate you doing this. Um, again, congrats on winning the OHL championship. Congrats on a Memorial Cup final berth. Bulldogs have a lot to do in 2022 2023 you guys are going to be exciting again so thanks so much for the time we really appreciate it and we wish you all the best uh this coming season yeah thank you so much for having me on i really appreciate it and uh good luck with the podcast it's been awesome so uh i really appreciate you having me on yeah we'll see you around the rink this year yeah for sure that was jorian donovan of the hamilton bulldogs said it to him before we started the interview calling you went to go shut up your dog which was funny but (laughs) <laughs> I kind of said it to him. I go, thank God you stayed on Hamilton because you were a joy to watch. Oh, yeah. Because you you could clearly tell that he was the type of caliber player that you would have to give up for a McTavish or a Jack Eye. But the fact that Steos was able to keep him in Hamilton and be such a big part, because like he said, there are three guys moving on. Someone has to step up. Like we talked about, it's going to be Noah Van Vliet. It's going to be him. And those two, as your top two out of three D-man, it's exciting. When you got that many guys graduating and the fact that they were that good, it it, it just helps because it's they were that good defensively, and you know it's just going to continue with these guys. Oh, exactly. And the thing is with Jordan, he has that confidence to him, similar to what guy like what we saw in Arbor Jack, guys, uh, Nathan mm. Steos, Colton Cammer. And it was so similar. And I can't wait for this upcoming season. I mean, Noah Van Vliet, Arten Grushnikov could be back. Yeah. They could like Jordan, like, I mean, they're gonna be really good. They're loaded again. I was gonna say, talk about defensive defensemen. Grushnikov starts that off right away. Like like oh, you mentioned, seeing him block the amount of shots that he did, like you know, we, we saw how good Mason Howard was with the Niagara Ice Dogs, and not that Mason Howard is anywhere close to where Grushnikov is, but you tracked how many shots Mason Howard blocked and the, the 12, presence 20. he had on the penalty kill. And you look at Artem Grushnikov, just it's, and he's way above what Mason Howard was in terms of just the all around players. So it just, when, when you can add that element, when you don't, when you know you can trust a guy to be back on odd man rushes and you know that he's going to be in lanes you know his stick's going to be on the ice he's going to block those shots it's just it it makes you so much tougher to play against and when you're when you're starting to play in these western conference buildings like the hamilton bulldogs are now and it starts off with the guelph storm that's going to be a fun matchup early on in the year right to start the season yeah and then you then you go into into games against kitchener you're going to see london you're going to see windsor twice now and just, you know, all those Western Conference teams, it just it, – it, it's exciting again. And I think that's what, what well, what's going to be so great about this OHL season is, yeah, we were excited to just have OHL hockey back last year, but now we're going to get East versus West again. And that's, yeah. that, that's what makes it good, right? We're going to see Hamilton and Windsor play each other before they get to an OHL final, whereas you had that mystery, that's right, good. right, where teams were like – Oh, how are you going to play and how are you going to play? And that's kind of what we saw in the first two games of the OHL finals, but that's going to help us out a ton. Yeah. We're going to see that in the regular season now, which makes it makes the season much more exciting as we you know get closer and closer. We're almost there. Wardy much shorter off season. Exciting. Right? Yeah. A couple more weeks. I mean, we're, we're in the preseason now, so it's mm-hmm. exciting. And that's why we took some time and made sure we got the interviews because it's going to, it's exciting, that's for sure. And I mean, Hamilton starts off with Guelph, and then a couple weeks later, they play London at home. Mm-hmm. You're gonna play some pit. You're gonna play some big Western Conference teams right away. 
So that's exciting. I was going to say, you talk about the East versus West and you want to get back to that pretty good example of having the Bulldogs against the Guelph Storm as well as the Niagara Ice Dogs. They open against Mississauga to start and then they go to Michigan. Tough one. Right, right away, they go to Michigan. So they see Michael think, Misa the first weekend of the season. Do you think that's a good thing, though? Do you think that's a good thing? Like, I mean, in my, like we went through that before with baseball. Do you think it's a good thing? And I should have asked Jory in this question, but it might be a good thing to go on that trip right away. Mm-hmm. Get the team bonding. Yeah, it's I, always nice to get away early and get together with the team, but it's also nice to get it after World Juniors and get that after post trade deadline road trip yeah. too. Well, well, and I think for the Hamilton Bulldogs, what makes that a little bit better, and we talk about the Ice Dogs going to Michigan first of all, they that's going to just build to that organization as they try to mm-hmm. re recapture mm-hmm. what has been so good. And yeah, exactly, we've seen the moves they made, but you know, for the Hamilton Bulldogs, you look at their championship year and then there's always that fall off, right? You expect the team to just be, be garbage. You see the Regina Pats, they, they go to the Memorial Cup final lose. And then just, there's just an immediate drop off from them right away. Bulldogs aren't going to be that way. And I'm not saying we're going to see that early, you know, that Oh nine, 10 Windsor Spitfires club that had Taylor Hall. They had Adam Henrique, Philip Grubauer, it was Ryan Ellis. Nick, Ryan Ellis. Like we're not going to see that. But I think we're going to get close to that, as in the Hamilton Bulldogs are going to be in that top four or five spot in the Eastern Conference where they might not win the championship, but they're going to compete for, you know, an East Division title, an Eastern Conference title. And it's just they're they're going to be in the mix. And when you have Steve Steos as your general manager, more times than not, you're going to be competitive throughout the year. And I think that's why this group is going to be so exciting when you get the possibility of Grushnikov when you get Van Vliet, when you get Donovan as your Ooh. top three D men, like it's that that's exciting. If if you're a Bulldogs fan, like we, we saw their attendance grow as the year went on, obviously no fans for a bit of a stretch didn't help, but we saw it grow throughout the year. And I think it's just going to build into this year. Yeah. 100%, 100% nail it right on the head. And it's going to be a very exciting year. And plus they got some goal setting as well. Hamilton. Hamilton oh, has yeah. some goaltending. Yeah. I mean, they got a lot of decisions to make because they could have all four guys back and then they drafted their highest goalie they've ever taken. Yeah. So that's that's tough, right? And uh, big decisions coming up for the Bulldogs, but definitely an exciting year for them. That's for sure. I say top five in the East right now. Obviously, a lot's going to change, but I can see top five for sure in the East. Yeah. All right. Thanks again to Jerry and Donovan for joining us on the program. Exciting year coming up for him and the Hamilton Bulldogs. We will step aside when we come back. It's time to wrap here on the OHL in 60 podcast. Welcome back to the OHL in 60 podcast. I'm Reese Demaney along with Colin Ward. Thanks again to Jory and Donovan for joining us on the show. One of the best chats that we have had on the OHL and 60 podcast, OHL champion. Uh, It was a good one. So we're definitely looking forward uh, to this season to see what he brings to the table and see what he can follow up last year with, because it's going to be, it's going to be another good year and another competitive year uh, for the Hamilton Bulldogs. So we're both excited for for that. All right. Final segment before we wrap up. Just one thing that has kind of caught our eye through the preseason with all 20 teams. We'll go in-depth, of course, once we get closer 
towards the regular season, we'll go a little bit more in depth with yeah, each, two each team. But yeah, well, let's go. Um, but yeah. this is kind of just a rapid fire thing, what we've seen so far and what we're kind of intrigued to see uh, moving forward. So we'll go in order. Start with the Barry Colts. I'll go first. Bo Jelzma. Yeah. Already in the preseason. He's got a couple of power play goals. Uh, re- really pumped to see that. Uh, I know he's going to be using a very big role for them uh, this season. You kind of think back to yeah. the 2015 or 2014-15 Ice Dogs the year before they went to that the OHL championship falling to London. That kind of reminded you of you know, the Barry Colts from last year about the position that Marty Williamson put them in. So I'm excited yeah. for that team and for Bo Gelsman to have two power play goals uh, in the preseason right now is is pretty good to see. It's nice too to see Bo get that opportunity, right? Three development or two development camps, and now a training camp with the Florida Panthers. Mm-hmm. That's a big. That's big. You went to Florida's development camp, then went to Toronto's development camp, and then to Florida. That's that's a big learning experience for Bo. And I mean, he's a guy that should have been drafted, plain and simple. And I know there's some shock there that he wasn't, and there's a little bit of chip on your shoulder, and that's good. You want a chip on your shoulder when you're not when that happens when you're expected to get drafted, and you see all the news because I the draft year is very tough. The draft year is very tough. We just talked to Jorian about that. The draft year is tough. It's a, it's honestly, it's tough to go through because you hear all the press, you see all these mock drafts. And I know everyone says, well, don't pay attention to that. You try telling a 17 year old kid to not go on Twitter, not go on Instagram, not go like, not look at social media. Good luck selling a 17 year old that. I mean, it's all over social media. That's how we find mock drafts. I mean, a lot of them aren't right, but that's how we find, you can find mock drafts easily. So yeah. I know that was tough on him, and what an experience. Hey, you got an invite? Go get that contract, big guy. Yeah. All right, Colin, Erie Otters. Yeah, Erie. So the thing is with Erie, in my opinion, is who's going to score goals for them, right? They lost a lot of guys. I think they have a good goaltending. I think they have a good goaltending duo. I think they have good defense. I think their forwards are going to be the big one, and Noah Sador is a big one, in my opinion. Six points so far in three games. He's a minus one. Oh, well, it's a preseason. You're, not, you're still looking at systems. Points really don't mean anything, but he's played the right way. I saw him play two out of the three games, and he's looked good every time. So I'm excited to see him in person. I can't wait for that. By the way, Sam Dickinson, oh, my. Jaw-dropping <laughs> good. But Noah Sador is getting my pick for the Erie Otters. I think he's got to have a bit. I think he has to have a big year for them. And I think a lot of those guys that are 17 now getting into 18 years old on Erie, now they have to make that climb up because if not, they're not going to get out of their ways, but they've been in a little bit of a funk here lately in the last few years, because Hey, if you take the first 10 games out, I don't think, so I don't think there is no, I think they have the most, they're the team that needs to have the most important start. I think out of any team in the OHL, they have to have the best start. They have to, after last year, what was it? Oh, and 10. Two and eight, yeah. start the year. I mean, well, that, they, that's what put them the first in the 10 hole. Games, make, yeah, if you take the first two ga- 10 games out, you make the playoffs. Yeah. So I think they're. I think out of the first 10 games for any team in the OHL, Erie has the most pressure, especially in that division this year. That division's better, and it, it's even better when you look at it. I mean, Kitchener's going to be a wagon. Guelph's going to be good. London, London's London. Owen Sound's going to be good. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be good. All right, Flint Firebirds, one guy I'm looking forward uh, to watching throughout the year. Now, the Firebirds have only played a couple of games so far in the preseason. Uh, This man's played in one of them. He's got one goal. He's a minus one. That goal did come on the power play. He's got four shots on goal. Uh, Amadeus Lombardi, of course, no wings pick kind of helps with that, but he's headed to the prospects tournament as well. 
just just playing in the state of Michigan, playing for the Flint Firebirds. He's got really good exposure to the Red Wings front office. He's going to have to have a big year uh, for the Firebirds. And even for them in net, uh, they got to figure out who the number one's going to be. It's probably going to be Will Cranley, but, you know, if that he starts to falter, if there starts to be a stretch where, you know, he can't get the job done, uh, Nathaniel Day is going to have to be the guy. Yeah. It's going to be that one-two punch for them with Cavalin moving on. So, um, that that's intriguing, but Lombardi's one guy that I'm I'm focused on for sure as the year goes on. Yeah, for sure. And he had a good playoff last year too. That series against Windsor, he scored a couple big goals. So you want to feed off that? That's a good pick. Uh, Guelph Storm, Colin. Guelph Storm. So Guelph has a couple of guys, in my opinion. Obviously, you look at Cam Allen, you look at Michael Bushinger. I mean, two studs on the back end. But my pick's Braden Bowman. Braden Bowman, five points so far in five games in the playoffs, five goals. He's going for the Cy Young, five goals, no assists. Mm-hmm. So Cy Young award, he's five and oh. But that's my pick just because I think he's had a big year. And last year he looked sneaky. Get him, Jake Carabella, Matthew Potra. Those guys looked pretty good last year. I think now this year, those guys got to take the step up. My pick's Braden Bowman. Yeah, and I like that. The goal, like we, we could easily be looking at the Western Conference standings and have five of the top seven teams be yeah. from that Midwest division. I, it's just going to be that good. Like you said, talking about you know, the Erie Otters, whether or not they're in that top seven, you know, maybe tough. But if they take that, like you said, they have that good start, there's a good chance that they could be. But yeah, that, that division is going to be competitive and every team has to be at it right from the start they got to be at 100 percent. they got to be ready to go once that puck drops so yeah the Guelph storm like you said cam allen can't wait to watch him play again Ooh, yeah it's unreal he's only got two more years left until he's in the show so yeah gotta enjoy it gotta enjoy those 25 dollar tickets before you gotta pay 200 <laughs> to watch him play yeah get right? out in Guelph. get out there exactly all right hamilton bulldogs um they're going to be chasing another championship. Tough to say in the preseason. Are they going to be competing for it? Absolutely. I think they have a very talented team moving forward. Uh, you talk about yeah. Donovan. We we chatted with him. We talked about the decor that's coming back for the Bulldogs. Just they're, they're going to be good again. And uh, you like to see everything up and down the lineup. You know, on any given night, they could win a hockey game. And they're not mm-hmm. going to have the firepower of Mason McTavish. Obviously, well, you don't think they will. It's a good chance they won't. Hayes Morrison. Yeah, exactly. Hayes Morrison. You throw Gavin White in there. He's got a couple of power play points early on in the in the preseason. That should they're, they're going to be good again. They're going to be competitive. They're going to be top five team in the Eastern Conference once again. Yeah, for sure. Rebello looks good as well. Mm-hmm. Rebello looks good, and also their their first round pick, Merrick Van Acker. I mean, Merrick Van Acker. I've heard from guys around the Bulldogs. Say that Van Acker is a 20 goal guy this year. That's a lot of pressure to put on a 16 year old, but Hamilton, Hamilton Brass expects him to score 20 goals this year as a 16 year old. And I mean, that's doable. He's a really good player. And I think he fits that system perfectly in Jay McKee. And I know Jay McKee's very high on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kingston Frontenacs. Yeah, Kingston's very interesting because when you see that Outwater trade, you almost get the vibes of. Are we going to do the Erie Otters go for it the year after the draft year of the superstar? And I wonder if that's a case. And also, I think Shane Wright comes back. I think Shane Wright comes back. I'm with you. And that's why I think Kingston makes that move for Outwater. And let's go all in. My big pick is Francesco Akuri. I think he, I think he has a lot left to show. I don't think we have saw that true potential. I mean, he's been solid. He's been solid, that's for sure. 
that I don't think we've saw that true potential that we saw from that great Don Mills team. And, and obviously the big difference from minor midget to the OHL, but we saw Othman show up. We see Wright show up. Now let's see Cherry take this role as he'll be a leader this year on that front next team. Let's see how good he is because I think he's going to have a big year this year for the front next. And that's why I go with her cherry. Yeah. I like that pick Colin. All right. The Kitchener Rangers, a lot of, a lot of very intriguing areas for them uh, coming into this season. And just what one of them is, you look at the headline on the uh, Kitchener Rangers website, seven guys are going to NHL camps. That includes Martin, who's headed to Detroit, Traverse City. Let's go Wings. Good player. Uh, that includes Vlad Schmidt, of course, show guest Francesco Pinelli heading to Los Angeles Kings uh, camp, and then Serpa as well, uh, to name one more. But uh, up and down, you could look at this team and you know give them any chance or as good a chance as any team in the OHL to compete for a championship and yeah for sure you know just coming off the year that they had last year where you know there's there's a lot of expectations uh, that's for sure I think it's you know for them it's about getting off to a good start as well the Erie Otters you talk about them Kitchen Rangers way more talented but you know it, it, it's all about that start and it's gonna you know start at the top with Rakoff and you know, he's got six points yeah. already in four games, two power play goals already. And it's, yeah, that it starts from there. Francesco Pinelli, obviously, he's going to be part of it. Joseph Serpa, just uh, up and down that lineup, the amount of talent oh, they yeah. have. And then, and then, and then in goal, I think it, it's easy to pick Jackson Parsons as that number one guy. But it's going to be very competitive uh, with Marcus Vandenberg. Both have played a oh. couple of games in the preseason so far. So I, I like them from front to back, the Kitchen Rangers all around. Very good team. Remember last year when, Kingston went on, or when Kitchener went on that losing streak there and Vandenberg came in and played a couple of good games mm-hmm. before Chion found, found his game again, then Parsons found his game, then they had that duo back. But Vandenberg's played good last year to small appearances. He's played good, so that's an also that's a name to look out for. They have good goaltending again, Kitchener, mm-hmm. that's for sure. London Knights, Wardy. Yeah, London's interesting. London, they got the OA debate, right? They got four OAs, and they got to get down to three. I think it's down to Montgomery and Keene. I mean, McGarren's not going anywhere, and Brett Shoe's not going anywhere. So it's down to Montgomery and Keene. Montgomery's played so far all the games in the preseason, so I'd imagine he's the favorite as of now. And in my opinion, I think that's my pick. I mean, I think Bryce Montgomery has to have that year where he contributes a little bit offensively. I know he's not an offensive guy, but when you're an overage guy, an older guy in the league, you need to see that in your last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at you look at the teams with overage defensemen last year in the OHL finals. Andrew Parrott, right, plays a tough game. And I mean, Bryce not Bryce isn't a guy that's gonna go out there and hit you through the boards, but he's a really good body to puck management guy. He can real he can use he uses his body well. He really creates space for his teammates. And I think that's a very interesting piece to me. And I just want to see him get a little bit more offensively here in his OA year, but Bryce Montgomery is my pick. And I think he has a big defensive year. I think he has a massive year because he's got to play. They have a young decor. I think him, Jackson, Edward, um, McKinnon, they're going to be good. Dickinson's a star. Dickinson's a star, but they're going to be good. And uh, Montgomery is going to be a big part of that. That's for sure. Yeah. And even looking at the London Knights, it, it, again, it's going to be Brett Brochu's net. Both go- backup goaltenders that he's played with over the last couple of years are gone. 
And yeah. of course, Onishka gone That's last a... year with the Windsor Spitfires. Flores is now in Niagara, and it's Bowen and Wilmore behind Brochu. Yeah, they like you know, Wilmore. You look at, yeah, you look at the workload that Brochu had last year. Do you think, oh, do they stick with the same? Do they kind of maybe give him a few more games off here and there? Uh, that that's another question I think for the London Knights as well that a lot of people are going to have Big their time. eyes on. Big time. I'm glad you brought that up, Reese, because that's definitely the question going in. If you're a London Knights fan or you follow the OHL or the London Knights, you have to. That has to be the biggest question because last year they overused Brett Brochu at the beginning of the year when he was playing all those back to backs in the first 15 games of the year. Why? Because then all of a sudden you're burned out in the playoffs. He did not look like he did not look 100 percent at all. And London complained a lot. I noticed about Brochu getting ran or whatever bumped into after the whistle, but you're playing. It's the playoffs, right? No excuses. So that's the one thing too. I'm glad you mentioned that you got to get everybody in early. I think they got to get the backup in early and they have to establish a backup because if Brett Brochu goes down again, they're going to be in trouble with no Luke Evangelista this year. Luke Evangelista bailed them out a lot last year. This year isn't that. That's not the case. And also, Logan you probably missed the start of the season. So that's a big one, too, not having that number one defenseman. All right, moving on. Uh, following the London Knights, Mississauga Steelheads. I, I like the way this team is built. And you know, James Richmond always is going to have a competitive team on the ice. And, you know, Jake Uberti, yeah, he's going to take that experience from Wings Prospect Camp and come back and I'm sure be a workhorse. You think of the supporting cast, Kai Schwint, James Hardy is in there. Um, you know, newly acquired Ryan Struthers is going to get an opportunity with the Mississauga Steelheads. But then it's also about the guys who, who just got drafted. And, you know, Luca Del Belbaluz, you start with him, second rounder uh, to the Columbus Blue Jackets. He was playing top line minutes in his draft year. You expect him to do the exact same thing here uh, in 2022-2023, and Owen Beck the same. He went 33rd overall to the Montreal Canadiens, and you know, just that this team's going to score. I think I, I I like a lot of these guys up front. Luke yeah. Nisa, nice supporting cast. He's a former uh, first round pick in the Ontario Hockey League in 2021. So, you know, J- James Richmond is going to be hard on these guys, and if they're not performing early. Not that there's going to be wind sprints in practice, but I think he's going to be a little bit upset and he's going to start pushing these guys a little bit more and saying, Hey, I know you can be better, be better. And you know, I I like this team up front. It's going to be a competitive central division, just like the Midwest. Oh, 100% of this is going to be a very good division. All right. Staying in the division, actually, these three teams are grouped in together. The United Race Dogs are next, Colin. Yeah, big one here. And I mean, I think I got to go with Panophemus. I think when you look at Niagara's roster, the moves they made were good moves. But when you look at Niagara, you still don't see that guy. And that's the difference between being from four to six, four to seven in the conference to getting to the three to one in the conference. That's the difference, not having that guy. And I think this is the year when you're paying off Femus, you're, your, you're now you're in your draft here again, but you're now an older player in the league. And let's see if he can be that guy that can really be that number one because Hamilton Hamilton didn't be, become Hamilton last year until they went out and got Mason McTavish. You need to have that guy, that superstar. And Panofemus looked good in the preseason so far, and you draft him as second overall pick. I think that is he needs to be the guy this year. 
And Panel Phoenix is my pick because they need that guy that can put them over the hump. Because that's the difference between getting in the top three to being a bubble team or middle of the pack in the playoffs in the conference. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, Pasquale Zito, that's that's a nice addition. I really agree with that. Rebo, yeah. nice piece as well. But like you said, yeah, if, if Panofemus has got to have a year, in my opinion, this is his year to show what he can do. And obviously a crapshoot in Niagara last year with just everything that went on off the ice. So, you know, with yeah. everything in order, it seems like now heading into 2022, 2023, you know, this is here his year, like you said. I mean, cool stat I saw that the OHL tweeted out and put on Instagram the other day is, you know, the amount of saves of the night that yeah had last year. Josh Rosenzweig was tied for number one with 11 saves of the night. And, you know, you get Flores as a supporting cast in there. Costanzo's still there as well, although someone may be going, someone maybe not. Don't yeah, really hey. know as of right now. But Josh yeah, Rosenzweig yeah. is very much going to be a part of what makes Niagara successful this year. Yeah, you know, now that we're on that for a quick sec, I know we don't have a lot of time, but you would have to think there's a move coming here for a defenseman or a depth forward. You would have to think. You trade out Rubik, you get a goalie in, you trade another goalie, so you're down a spot. And you see the preseason lineup kind of thin. I think it's in the back end here. I wouldn't be surprised to see one of those goaltenders get moved for a defenseman. But that's... That's just the what would make sense, but because you wouldn't think you'd carry three goalies mm-hmm. again. Well, especially very, think, especially being older goalies age, and plus with the ages, yeah. Plus the age, you can't have an eighteen-year-old in the press box. Doesn't yeah. look good. Doesn't look good on the organization. But that's something you would have to think is going to come here within the days, within the weeks here leading up to the opening night. Mm-hmm. All right, North Bay Battalion. I'm going immediately uh, to the back end. Ty Nelson, following his draft year, third round, 60th overall to Seattle Kraken. Uh, we're just excited to see him. You know, former show guest, not a big deal. Uh, they oh, they have a very good decor. Avery Winslow is involved in that. Paul Christopoulos is part of that decor as well. Um, it's it, it just it, another reason to expect North Bay to be at the top or near the top of that central division and even back in goal, you know, no more verbetic uh, Dom DiVincentis. Yeah. It's his net two rookie goaltenders listed on their preseason roster, Charlie Robertson and Michael McIver. Uh, it's Dom's net. And yeah. we saw, we saw great things from him last year. And of course, you know, they had solid D uh, in 2021, 2022, but it's just going to carry over into this season. And it, it's going to all start from the back end there. Can they keep pucks out of their net? Um, and then the offense is just going to follow. Of course, you look at Arnsby uh, up front, Dalen Wakeley, of course, Kyle McDonald, Matt Vay Petrov, Kyle Jackson as well. It's, it's, it's another good North Bay team. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Uh, Oshawa generals. Oshawa for me, I think it's plain and simple. I think they're going to have the goaltending. They're going to have good defense and they'll have Harrison back. That's a big one. Probably their captain. I think Stuart Roloffs is the one. I mean, first-round pick in 2019 by London. He comes over to Oshawa, 45 points in 62 games last year. I think you got to have a guy that's a point of game right now, and I know personally for him, his goals have to be, I want to be a point-of-game guy. I want. I won't be satisfied with under 62 points next year because mm-hmm. if he has a point-of-game or more, Oshawa's going to be a above-quality team 
in the Ontario Hockey League. And I think that's a big piece of the puzzle for the Oshawa General Stuart Roloff. So that's my pick. All right. Uh, the Ottawa 67s. And I'm going right to the blue paint. Colin McKenzie hey. for the Oshawa Generals. Yeah, I know you liked him last year, Colin. Uh, Earth. Yeah, Oshawa never really Generals, Ottawa 67. Sorry. Um, former eighth round pick uh, of the 67s. You know, got into eight games last year. He had a 383 goals against. You know, you want that save percentage higher, but he was also 4 and 0, which yeah. helped out quite a bit, right? In the 67s, it's still. I don't know if it's we we're not sure what we're expecting from them, but uh, early on, McKenzie at 2.01 goals against average in the preseason so far, you would think that would have to be you know, top priority for them to make sure they're good in net. He's also got a 909 you know, save percentage. So uh, that that that's it for me for for the 67s. If you're looking at them, obviously Luca Pinelli is is a nice player to look at as well, a nice player to watch, but. Uh, if Colin McKenzie's good, then the Ottawa 67s are going to be really good. Oh, 100%. Then that's a good pick. I mean, McKenzie was getting his draft. You're out of Waterloo back in minor midget a couple seasons back. All right. You're going to enjoy this one, Colin. The Owen Sound attack. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I have a contract written out with Gavin Bryant to say I have to pick Gavin Bryant. <laughs> but, I mean, he has to have a big year. Gavin has to have a big year this year and can get the opportunity. Gavin Bryant's a big one, but I got to go with Colby Barlow draft year. Can you continue off your rookie season? Can you can 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 you continue to produce points? Because if he can, Owen Sound's going to be a wagon. Look out for that. Uh, Peterborough Pete's Michael Simpson having one hell of a start to the preseason uh, for him. That's notice a big how, piece. Notice how I'm taking all the freaking goalies, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, two games played so far for Simpson. Nothing's beat him. He's got that's one a... win in that time. Yeah, he's he stopped for all 41 shots that he's faced. Uh, so that's very exciting for the Peterborough Peets. And also hope they transition to their uh, to this year, what we saw in round one last year. Obviously, it's tough to look at a four-game sweep at the hands of the eventual OHL champions and Memorial Cup finalists. But you know, if, if they continue to be rough, and I'm not you know, hoping that they rough people up. I'm not hoping they injure people. I'm not looking for that it's just you know if peterborough can play that style and that's tough to maintain obviously throughout the season but if they can start off like that and just kind of work their way into certain situations and games where if they can be the more physical team they're going to win then i like that part of their game i like the peterborough peets if they can continue what they did you know to the hamilton bulldogs physically in round one and transition that this year i i like not their chances to win a championship but i like their chances to be you know, middle of the pack in that Eastern Conference, maybe around seven uh, in the East, six or seven. Yeah, for sure. That's a good pick. All right. Following the Peterborough Pete's Saginaw Spirit, Colin. Saginaw, it's pretty easy in my opinion. I think I got to go with Josh Bloom. I think Josh Bloom had a very good year last year, and we all thought at the deadline he could be in a he could be a trade candidate. Saginaw elected not to trade him, and that was a good decision because it's going to really benefit them this year because I think he's going to be a captain for them, and um, I think they're going to go out. He goes. It's a big one. Also, Luke McNamara's show guess having a really good preseason so far. So, but my pick's Josh Bloom. Yeah, and of course Michael Misa. Very exciting player to watch. Yeah. I don't know what we're going to expect for points in Misa. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd be, I'd be happy. I would be happy with 40 points. I'd be ecstatic. 
I mean, it's tough, right? You're 15 years old. If you got 40 points as a 15-year-old, wow, what a year. Uh, Sarnia Sting, Alan Latang into his second season as the bench boss for the Sarnia Sting. Ben Goudreau's back in goal for them. That, that's huge. You look at the guys they have on the back end. It's a very experienced blue line. One rookie listed on their preseason roster right now, and that's Carson Campbell, who was a third-round pick in the Ontario Hockey League priority selection. But Ryan Mast, Owen McDonald, uh, you got Dillingham, Richie, Romeo. Uh, it's Alexis Davio. Like it's 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 a very experienced blue line, and even you, know, you look up front, it's. They got a lot of experience too. Two rookies listed on this preseason roster. And so they're going to have guys who have miles right now. Yeah. They're going to have a lot of guys who have been in this league, played quite a few games in this league. Theo Hill is going to be an exciting player to watch for them. Nemesnikov, of course, no longer having ties to the wings. Well, kind of, but yeah, Vlad Nemesnikov no longer there. But this, this is going to be a really good team. Of course, you got Ty Voigt. It was an NHL drafted player uh, back for the Sarnia State. Yeah, big one. Uh, Sue Greyhounds, we got three more to go. Yeah, Tyler Savard. I mean, I think Savard is a big year. 28 points in 49 games last year at a Peterborough. I think he has a really big one. Big year this year. I mean, 11th round pick. Talk about value, but Sue St. Marie Greyhounds have gotten. Tyler Savard is my pick. Uh, Sudbury Wolves, Quinton Musty. Hey, good, in, good, uh, good pick. Yeah, in, in 50 games last year for him, I think we expected quite a bit more. Uh, 12 goals, 19 assists. Again, we're we're talking about a 16 year old coming into the Ontario Hockey League. That's hard enough as it is, and then you get the honor of being the first overall pick. It makes it even tougher. But uh, you know, 19 or 12 goals, 19 assists, 31 points. The minus 21 jumps out to me as well as the 70 penalty minutes for him. Not, not that I'm sure Sudbury enjoys the toughness from him, but you know, for him to be successful, he's got to be on the ice a little bit more, I think. 31 points, I think that's going to improve. Look for him to shoot the puck a little bit more. 138 shots in 50 games isn't not bad by any means, but I think he's going to have a lot of chances on net. I think he's going to find a lot of open space seeing, you know, getting into his second season in the Ontario Hockey League. So Quentin Mussey, this is his draft year. And he's got to have a big bounce back here because I'm sure that's one area or one guy that, you know, scouts are really going to be looking at in terms of you know, who's going to improve. Where's that? Is that adjustment going to come from year one to year two? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of hope there, right? There's a lot of expectations this year in Quentin Musty. And that's a good pick. I think Musty has a big year. I mean, he was well advertised and coming into the season. I think he has a massive year this year for the Sudbury Wolves. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, the Western Conference champion, Windsor Spitfires. Yeah, Windsor, I think it's the newly acquired Colton Smith. I think Colton Smith, we didn't really see a lot out of him last year, right? We didn't really see him play much down the stretch, 41 games last year, but he had 18 points. So that's not too bad. Um, Just want to see the improvement in Colton's game. I mean, he's definitely in a good system, high energy. I think him and Oliver Peer would be good line mates. I think mm-hmm. that duo would be very good. So... Interesting to see what happens there, but Colton Smith's my pick for the Windsor Spitfires. And I think Windsor's a very good team. I think they're loaded. They get why they're probably gonna get Wyatt Johnston back. More than likely. And the MVP. I mean, yeah. that's a massive that's massive. 
Yeah, I like that you mentioned Oliver Pierre. I talked about him throughout the OHL finals and the kind of impact that he had. We talked about him with Manny Pava uh, on the show yeah. here. Just what what kind of impact Oliver Pierre can have moving up into into a bigger role for the Spitfires with a guy like Cooley moving out, Zito uh, no longer with these Spitfires as well. So, no, it's intriguing. He only had nine points last year, but I think he's capable of definitely bumping that up and you know timesing that by at least three. Uh, to get to around 27 points. So, you know, lots of good things to like about the spits and lots of good things to like heading into this season. I mean, we went way longer than we probably wanted to, but no big deal. Uh, very long show this week. Oh, well, went into overtime. No big deal. But uh, we'll we'll go more in-depth as we head towards the regular season. We'll dig a little bit deeper into each team heading up to night one of the OHL season. But that will wrap it up for this week's show wardy as we head out score prediction who you got houston versus denver so um, i gotta pick my broncos i think we bounce back but my one my one question is this is a big week it's either we're frauds or we're for real because Mm -hmm. if you don't bounce back after a week like that it's not good so Let's see. Let's see. We're really going to see the real team bonding here. I mean, that was terrible on Monday night. That's that's awful. I mean, you give up 71 yards and penalties, and you still have more 181 more yards in Seattle on top of the penalties you gave them, mm-hmm. and you still lose by one point. So you play that game 10 times, you probably win at nine. And I think they bounce back, and I hope they would. So I got to go. I'm going to go 31. 13 Denver. All right. 10 point, 10 points, brother, 10 points favored. So yeah. 31, 31, 13 isn't bad. Yeah. Uh, for me, Steelers Patriots. That's a big one. You know, Steelers at home for the first time this season. I like their chances against the Patriots. I mean, the, the one deciding factor, of course, uh, you no, know, watch Harris the next play six weeks. Yeah. Does Harris play exactly? Um, but, but the defense definitely had a big part in their win against the Bengals, and so did a lot of turnovers from Joe Burrow. But uh, can the yeah. defense play without Watt? Can they still be as effective? And obviously they're not going to, but can they try to live up to the expectations that this team has with Watt in the lineup? Because if they can't figure it out without him, uh, Steelers are going to lose six in a row, and they're going to be one in six when Watt comes back. So I, I, I'm going with a not a low scoring game, but I'm going with a close game. I think Steelers win twenty to seventeen. Yeah, that's a good one. You want it to be under twenty. You don't want to have New England score more than twenty. Yeah. Because Trubinsky didn't look all that great until they were aggressive. In overtime you said let's just go for it, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, I like I like that pick. That's a good one. All right. Let us know your pick. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And if you're a Lions fan, I'm sorry. <laughs> don't get in a fight outside of Ford Field. Yeah, in front of America Park. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A lot of losing in that city right now, but the wings will get there. Yeah. yeah. For sure. <laughs> All right. That wraps up the show. Again, thanks so much to Jory and Donovan for joining us on the program. And thanks to you, the listeners, uh, for tuning in every week as we get ready for the 2022 2023 OHL season. For Colin Ward, I'm Reese Demaney. Thanks again. And we will chat again in six days.